Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our Weird Because Normal Isn't Working series. This series looks at how God calls us to be set apart from the world's norms and how maybe as Christians we are called to shake things up. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Well, we're in the middle of a series called Weird, but before we get into that, I'm going to release the children ages 4 through grade 8 to go down to their classrooms. So in this series called uh, Weird Because Normal Isn't Working, we're looking at the truth that the, uh, the cultural view of the world is that being a follower of Jesus is weird. It's odd that, that the world looks at Christians and say, wait a minute, you, you believe in a God who died on a cross? And we know that he rose from the dead after that. We have these two worldviews that are opposite of one another. The, the secular worldview, the, the normal worldview of, of uh, people who don't believe in Jesus is that we should be people who bring ourselves up, that we attain to things, that it's all about me. The biblical worldview is it's all about Jesus and that we fall underneath that, that he's our He's our our most important, most important person and thing in our lives. The cultural worldview basically says, look out for number one. And the biblical worldview says, love God and love people. And if you do that, you're going to change the world. So we sort of live in this culture with these uh, combating worldviews. And today we're, we're going to look at this concept about how we are saved. And the cultural worldview looks at that differently. So we're going to look at this, a weird way to save the world. So if you would, let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you about, we thank you for this time together. We ask that you would bless us, that you would give us ears to hear. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to each one of us at the depths of our being and in our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it's a busy day in our culture today. Uh, there is the Daytona 500 for you race fans. Uh, there's the Academy Awards for you arts fans. And uh, I'm going to talk about a movie that I recently saw. And look, as a pastor, this is dangerous. Because uh, if I recommend something to you and you're offended by it, uh, you're going to come back and say, why would you recommend that? So I'm not recommending it. All right. But, uh, but I saw it, and it really uh, made sense to me. Um, look, you're, uh, you are all adults, so you need to read the ratings and all that stuff. But the movie's Hacksaw Ridge. Anybody seen Hacksaw Ridge? All right. A couple of fans there. All right. So uh, I, I'm not going to give it away, even though it's historical. And if you know anything about the history of it, you'll know that, that what happens. But, but here's the thing about that movie. It, it demonstrates the two worldviews so clearly. There is the cultural, secular worldview, and then there's the biblical worldview of this Christ follower who enlists in the army because he wants to serve and make a difference because he loves God and he loves people. And, and all throughout the movie, you, you see the tension between that, and you, you, you see people wrestling with that, and you see the challenge that they come against. So listen. If you want to, to watch a movie, uh, 
that will help you wrestle with that and will give you the opportunity to share the biblical worldview with other people, I encourage you to do that. You know, but again, that's my, uh, my disclaimer. There's violence, there's gore in it and all that, so you need to understand that. But tomorrow morning, if you've seen it and you connect with people after the Academy Awards, it gives you a real talking point to be able to steer that conversation to things of eternal values. So there's just a little equipping for your evangelistic outreach this week. So here's the thing. The world we live in thinks this Christian worldview that you see in Hacksaw Ridge that we talk about as followers of Jesus Christ, they think it's weird because they, they think there's a different kind of worldview that they think is normal. And when it comes to faith, they look at it as religion. The worldview is, the cultural worldview is religion. And this is what religion is. Religion is humanity's attempt to reach God. Humanity's attempt to reach God. I went to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. And this is what the definition of religion is. Institutionalized, it's an institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices. An institutionalized system of religious attitudes, belief, and practices. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> so listen, I, I grew up in a religious family. I, I did, you know. We were in Sunday almost every day, uh, every, every Sunday. We were in church almost every Sunday. And, and the, the Sundays that we weren't in church were far and few in between. Not only did we attend worship together as a family, but before worship, there was a Sunday school hour and there were adult classes that my parents attended and there were children's classes that my sister and I attended. And not only did we attend Sunday school, but in the summer we went to vacation Bible school. And not only did we go to vacation Bible school, when we got old enough to go to, to uh, sleepaway camp, to Christian camp, we went to Christian camp. And, uh, you know, it was such a part of us. Even when I went to college, this is going to shock some of you. As a college freshman, I would walk to a local church. And when I was in college, on my own. I grew up. I grew up in a religious family. It was what we did. Now, listen, I have to be honest. When I got to college and I began to be asked questions about my faith, um, I had a lot of pride. I had a lot of pride because... We were religious. We went to church. And so one day as I was meeting my new roommates, he said, you know, one of my roommates said to me, you know, um, uh, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, uh, uh, I'm a Christian because I go to church. <laughs> and uh, he goes, he was kind and gracious. And he says, well, Okay, so, so what do you believe? And, and I said, I believe in Jesus. And not only do I believe in Jesus, this is what I do. Because you need to understand, I grew up in a religious family. And I knew what it meant to be religious. It meant go to church, go to Sunday school. You know, what I didn't say was that when we weren't there on Sunday mornings, oftentimes led by my mom and dad, we as a family would go to church to serve in the various opportunities that were there. We were active in church. We were a religious family. And so when my, my friend pressed me, I told him, I believe in Jesus and this is what I do. If he had pressed me, what else do you believe? I don't know that I could have answered the question. 
Because really, I had a very elementary, uh, infant-like view of what it meant to be a Christian. Uh, Christians go to church, all right? Um, Christians uh, go to Sunday school. You, you know, so I, I had this, and Christians do these things. And so, you know, it was one of those strange things. And, and he said, well, you know, do you believe you'll go to heaven? And, you know, the circular argument came again. Yes, I'll go to heaven because I'm a Christian. How do you know you're a Christian? Because I go to church. What do you believe? I believe in Jesus and I do these things. It was just that shallow on my part, but it was all based on religious things. And I was proud. I was defensive at these questions because I was proud of the things that we did in my religious family. It's not unlike what the Apostle Paul went to before he had his conversion. You know, his given name was Saul, and when he came to faith in Jesus, he, he renamed himself Paul. So this is what he writes about himself in his life before he believed in Jesus, about the kind of religious person he was. This comes from the book of Philippians. He said, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Paul was proud of his religious behavior. Remember, he followed an institutionalized system of religious attitudes, beliefs, and practices in his eyes to perfection. And in the culture he was raised in, that was normal. If you were a, a, a religious follower of Judaism, this was normal behavior. It was all about what you did. Remember, there were 613 laws to keep, and everybody went to the nth degree to keep those laws. So Saul was raised in this time where great honor and great applause was given to people who kept this religious life. And he idolized this in his life. It became so important to him, so much so that when he first witnessed people who said something different about his faith, it marked him. We read in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts that a, a Christian man named Stephen was accused of blasphemy. He was taken before the high priest in the court. He was found guilty. And because he blasphemed, they went out and stoned him to death. And as they were going there, Saul, who later became Paul, was there. And they, they had him holding their coats. And he witnessed this angry mob stoned Stephen to death because he said that he believed that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. And that impacted him. In fact, 
Saul couldn't believe that any good religious Hebrew person would turn away from the teachings of their leaders or of their religion and follow this person called Jesus. In the next chapter, chapter 8 of the book of Acts, we see Saul's passion and pride for his religion burst into full-scale persecution of Christians. We read in that chapter that Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. In his anger-fueled religious pride, he became a bounty hunter of sorts for the Jewish high courts, self-appointed. In Acts chapter 9, we read that, that Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he asked the high priest for letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation to arrest any follower of the way, any follower of Jesus that he found there, because he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Why all this anger and hate? First, Saul's religion was his source of pride, and his religious practice was empty, and that emptiness led to meaninglessness and despair. Now, now Saul wasn't the, he wasn't the first person to wrestle with this. King Solomon wrestled with the emptiness of religion. You, you read about it in Ecclesiastes, the book that he's credited with writing, the first chapters in it, he says, everything, this is King Solomon, he says, everything, is meaningless. Everything. Now, in, in Saul's attempt to reach God by religion, he was finding it meaningless. But he was also threatened. He was threatened. Because somebody was saying, your way is not the right way. There is only another way. Now, some of you are thinking, you know, I'm glad I'm a Christian because as a Christian, I'm not in danger of meaningless religion. But even once you've found Jesus, and even after you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, you can turn following Jesus into empty, meaningless, religious behavior. I know this because I did. I accepted Christ in 1982 uh, when my best friend, who later became my wife, who was a Christian, told me that I needed to spend time with God every day, that I needed to read the Bible, that I needed to pray. That's how I would build my relationship with God. Now, somewhere along the way, she didn't recommend this, but somewhere along the way, I grabbed hold of a daily devotional. You know, a book that had daily devotional readings built off of the scripture and generally a written prayer. And I became a religious, devout reader of that daily devotion. I spent at least five minutes, <laughs> five minutes every day reading that page for the day and that scripture and that praying that prayer. And that consisted of my relationship with Jesus. And that went on for weeks and months and, and close to a year. And somewhere along the way, I, I realized that you know, half an hour later, I, I didn't remember anything that I 
I read. I didn't even remember what verse it was. I don't even remember what the prayer was about. I, it, was, it was emptiness. My, my heart wasn't in it. My, you know, my, my prayers were, were, coming from an empty, were coming from empty lips. It's like what we read in the, from the prophet Isaiah. He says, God says this, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and they, their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. That was me. Following man-made rules learned by rote. I had it down. Five minutes a day, you know, that was it. Went to church on Sunday and then five minutes a day. But somewhere along the way, I discovered it was empty. I realized I was on autopilot. I had made a rule that this, this daily quiet time that consisted of reading this one-page devotional and praying that prayer was all I had to do, and I did it with I did it by rote. I didn't engage my brain. I didn't engage my heart. Uh, I read. I know I read. I remember that I was reading. But I don't remember what I read. I was too young for Alzheimer's. I was not comprehending. I wasn't paying attention. I was just doing things by rote. I was honoring God with my lips. My heart, my heart was far from God. My, my worship was based on a man-made rule that I learned and followed by rote. And yeah, initially I was, I was pretty proud of my dedicated religious behavior, but, but soon I despaired because it wasn't life-giving. It, it was hollow. And I was empty. We'll come back to that in a minute. Let me share with you the other way to save the world. Remember, the first way that I said is religion is humanity's attempt to reach God. Religion is humanity's attempt to reach God. Here's the second thing that we need to understand. Jesus is God's weird way, according to the world, God's weird way to reach us, to reach humanity. Now, the human mind, with its rational and logical thoughts, struggles with this. The human mind struggles with the way to heaven being through believing in Jesus, the Son of God, who died and who offers salvation to the world, not based on good works, but based on faith in a God who loves us, regardless of what we do. Saul wrestled with that. He had heard about it. He couldn't believe it was true. And then he had a life-changing experience with the risen Jesus on the way to Damascus. Now remember, he was proud. He called himself a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. He, called him, he was a Pharisee who followed the strictest obedience. But he recognized that there was an issue. And when he came face to face with Jesus, who said, Saul, why do you persecute me? Over the next couple of days, he came to terms with the fact that his religion was empty. 
and that God had offered him a way to eternal life through relationship with him through faith in Jesus Christ. So back to Philippians, where we read the first half of what he wrote. Now let's read what he writes next, beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3. He writes, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. Those words that Paul wrote, there's one word that grabbed my attention. Maybe it grabbed yours. It's the word garbage. He said, for the sake of Christ, I have discarded everything else, counting it all garbage so I could gain Christ. The Greek word that we translate as garbage is, is skubala. And skubala means garbage, but it, it, it means worse than that. It, it, it means animal waste. It means dung. He said, I count everything else in my life manure. I mean, I mean think about it. This, is, this was a man who was at the height of his society as a Pharisee. Everybody looked up to him. Everybody wanted to be like him. He was proud. He was else. He had many accomplishments. He was a, a man of the world. He was esteemed in his country and in his culture. And he said, it's garbage. It's meaningless. It's, it's manure. It just needs to be thrown in the dump. Because knowing Christ is so much more is so much more. Everything else pales in comparison. Now, I want you to understand the gravity of what Paul's just said. You know, wrestle with the kind of life he had. And he's saying, I count all of that as garbage. Throw it away. He said that. And to me, it's shocking. One of the things that you you might not think about too often is that, you know, after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then we have the book of Acts in the New Testament, and, and then from Romans all the way through the book of Revelation, those were letters written to churches throughout the known world. And those letter, letters were not written privately to a leader. They were written to be read publicly in front of everybody. And particularly some of the uh, letters would be sent from church to church. So all of these people knew Paul. And they knew from whence he came. And he was saying, look, I was all this. But it's garbage. It's junk. It's manure. Throw it away. Because for the sake of knowing Jesus, that's everything. So... He had had this experience where he had realized that religious behavior was empty and meaningless. 
And now he'd come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he began to write about that, obviously, as he began became an apostle, a leader to all these churches. In the letter to, the, uh, to Titus, one of his companions, he gave him some instructions about leading the church. And he wrote this. In chapter 3, he said, When God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, God saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of God's mercy. God washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. God generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Jesus is God's way to reach humanity. God offers salvation to anyone in this world if they will believe in Jesus Christ. Not because of what they have done. Not because of any good acts or righteousness or religious behavior. God offers that to them because he loves them and he has mercy on them. And he sent Jesus to be the savior of the world. And he promises us a new birth. That means that we become a new person. We're forgiven of our past sins. We're free from carrying that baggage. Paul walked away from all that empty religious behavior, all of the, the damage that he had done to the church, knowing that he was forgiven of that sinful behavior. I don't think he forgot it. It impacted him. But he knew that God forgave him. Anyone who believes in Jesus Christ can be forgiven of their sins. And then he goes on, he tells us that we're filled with the Spirit, that God gave us the promise of eternal, of eternal life. So, so there's this idea that, that God wants to reach humanity in a way that's different than the world. The world thinks it's weird, and it's through Jesus Christ, through faith in Jesus Jesus wants to have a relationship with each and every person in this world. And he gave everything he had for each and every single one of us. So, look, if you're not a religious person, this may be amazing to comprehend. God doesn't want your religion. God wants your relationship. Now, if you are a religious person and you're concerned about doing everything perfectly to make God happy so you can get into heaven, this also is amazing to comprehend. There's nothing that you can do that's good enough to get into heaven, so let go of your religious works and welcome Jesus into your life and have a relationship with God. I'm going to use a chart on the screen behind me to make this clear. We have religion on one side and relationship with Jesus on the other side. So religion is all about what I do. It's about what, what you are. It's what the person does. What do I do? Relationship with Jesus is about what Jesus does. All right? It's not on you. It's on Jesus. Secondly, religion is it's all about me. Relationship with Jesus, it's all about Jesus. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. We follow him. 
Religion is all about do. Do this, don't do that. It's about rules, regulations, religious behavior. Relationship with Jesus is done. It's done. There's nothing you have to do or don't do to receive eternal life from Jesus Christ. He's offered you a gift. It's there. You can receive it or you can just leave it there. But everything is done. Religion is, if I obey God, God will love me. Relationship with Jesus is because God loves me, I obey. So look, you know, here's the thing that throws people sometimes. People who come to faith in Jesus Christ do things that look religious. And it's not because they're religious people. It's because they love Jesus and have accepted him. And now they're becoming more like Jesus. Because they're filled with God's spirit. And God's spirit is changing us, giving us the mind of Christ so that we begin to live and, and follow God and Jesus out of love. So what do you want? Which one do you want? Only one way leads to eternal life. So, I want to talk to, to two groups of people, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. The first group is this. Those who have become Christians and started a relationship with Jesus, but it's, but it's turned into religion. It can happen. It can happen. You can, you can turn Christianity into religion, to religious behavior. I know that because I did. When I came to faith in Jesus, I based my whole relationship on reading that devotional and praying that prayer. And I went through the motions and I, I was struggling because I realized there had to be more than that. And so I quit reading that devotional. Not the devotional in itself was bad, but I needed to read God's word. I needed to let God speak to me as I was building a relationship with him. And I needed to talk to God about what I was reading. And so I began to have a relationship built on a relationship, not built on religious behavior. And it changed me. It gave me a fresh, new purpose and leading. And God's spirit began to direct me. And I began to discover things about him and about what it meant to follow him. But I had to let go. I had to let go of some wrote behavior that I thought made me a Christian. You know, it's not surprising. I came out of a very religious family and I had figured out that doing certain things made me a Christian, which they didn't. But I thought they did. And so I just repeated it after I accepted Christ. I had to let go of those things and say yes to Jesus. So let me ask you, what are you willing to let go of to take hold of Jesus in a deeper way? For those of you who are Christians, what are you willing to let go of to take hold of Jesus in a deeper way? Let me ask you in a way that Paul would resonate with Paul. What are you willing to count scubala in your life? Thank you.
thinks that's great. I don't need that. So that's the first group I wanted to, to speak to. Followers of Jesus who have turned it into religion. Let me talk to a second group. Those of you who have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, maybe you've never done that because you think, I don't want to be a religious person. I don't want to try to do all the right things to, to make God happy. Because number one, I know I can't do everything right. I'm going to make mistakes. By the way, the Bible affirms that. The Bible says that we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. Or maybe you just rejected Jesus because you look at Christians and they just look like a bunch of religious hypocrites and say you're supposed to do this and then they don't do it. Well, full disclosure, Christians are hypocrites because we're sinners. We're sorry. We make mistakes. But here's what you need to know. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, this isn't religion, this is a relationship with Him. Today's your opportunity. share with you in a prayer how to begin that relationship with Jesus and, and afterwards I would love to give you this book we call it a yes book it really explains what it means to follow Jesus and I invite you to come up and receive one there'll be prayer team members up here at the end of the service if you want to pray with them and talk about that we have more than enough of these if you have to hustle out this morning for some reason um, you can on your connection card you can write down your email and uh, ask for a copy of the yes book Drop that in the offering basket, and I'll email it to you this week. Why? Because this is the most important decision you'll ever make. Most important. So if you want to tell Jesus that you believe in him, to say, yes, Jesus, I believe, and I want to follow him, and to enter into a relationship with, with him, I'm going to invite you to do that right now. In fact, I'm going to ask everybody just to close your eyes. And if, if you want to enter into that relationship with Jesus, Day, I'm just going to give you some words to pray silently to him. So here we go. God, I do want to have a relationship with you. Go ahead and say that silently. I, I believe in Jesus. Go ahead and tell him that. I believe that he died for my sins. Tell him that. And I believe that he rose again. If you prayed that prayer, you became a follower of Jesus today. We celebrate that with you. That, that's just, just the most important decision you can ever make. And we want to celebrate that with you. So come up after the service. We'll give you a yes book. Come on up. We'll pray with you. We'll encourage you. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to sing this closing song because wherever you are in your relationship with Jesus, the, the words of these songs talk about the grace of Jesus that met each of us where we were we came to faith in him. Let these words wash over you. If you've come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're walking in a relationship, use this as a way to reaffirm that. If you've just recommitted today to stop being religious in your Christianity but be in a relationship with Jesus, 
reaffirm that with these words. If you just prayed to, to follow Jesus today, then reaffirm what you've done by, by singing these words. And if you're still not sure, just open your mind and your heart to the lyrics that God has given us to worship Him. So let's worship Him with all of our hearts. So as we leave today and as we go out into the rest of this week, we have a choice to lean into that relationship with Jesus. And I challenge you to do that. I encourage you to do that. It's the best, it's the most important relationship you can have, ever have. And it's the best way to live. And as we understand also, it's through him that we receive eternal life. So as you leave today, as you go out into the cafe, I encourage you to go out and uh, get some refreshments, connect with people, talk about what spoke to you from God's word today. Connect with some folks that you haven't met. And if you prayed that prayer, I invite you to come up. I have a book that I'd love to give you. And if you want to pray with somebody, the prayer team members will be up here. So now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.